Hey church family, we're going to do something a little bit different this week on our sermon podcast. I am going to take more time than I did on our Sunday morning gathering on the 20th of May. We had our annual update service and it was amazing to hear from our various ministry leaders um, with Patty, with prayer and Debbie, with women's ministry, Andrew with Family Discipleship and Outreach, Emily with Youth, uh, Ken Van Corbeck with an update for our facilities and maintenance, and Pastor Ken who oversees our care and connection as a church. And he also, on behalf of Steve and Men's Ministry, shared some of the highlights. And so, um, great Sunday, but I really wanted to go a little bit deeper with the five asks that we talked about at the end of the message. And so that is what I'm going to be doing here, is the five asks, what are sort of the things we're going after very specifically and simply as a church community in the year and really years ahead. And I am borrowing heavily from a pastor up in Portland called John Mark Comer, amazing leader, amazing teacher. I listened to one of his messages several months ago, and I thought, my goodness, I don't know if I would change anything. And obviously I have, because um, each of us is unique and has our own language, but I've adapted um, sort of these five asks from something I heard from him I thought was just brilliant. He's been a pastor for way longer than I have, and so... I guess we all get to borrow and amend from one another. So what are these five things? Um, Number one, um, we are completely devoted and sold out to the idea that we move from being Sunday attenders, Sunday even spectators, um, even beyond participants, as far as singing and listening to the scriptures being taught. But number one, we are convinced that God has called us to be and to make disciples, which is a big fancy word for being a lifelong learner, a student who seeks to apprentice the ways, words, and works of Jesus. Their life, they've let go of their life, they've laid down their life to follow love and obey Jesus. And Jesus, when he started his ministry in Matthew chapter 4, he announces, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so central to the walk and life and lifestyle of disciple, a student of Jesus, is that we are constantly confronted with the idea that there is a singular king over a kingdom that reigns above all other kingdoms, and he is calling us to align ourselves to come under his authority, his lordship, and empowering presence. This is what the big word repentance means. And so disciples are those who realize that there is really only one who is fit to rule on a throne in an eternal kingdom, and his name is Jesus. And so in Jesus, heaven God's realm, God's rule, God's dominion, God's power, God's agenda is coming near and invading the world. And disciples are those who say, yeah, he alone is worthy to be king. And so we change our thinking. We reorient our lives to be revolving not around ourselves, but around Jesus. 
his will and agenda. Jesus, the next two verses, says, come and follow me to these fishermen on the side of Galilee. And he says, come and follow me. And as you follow me, I will send you out. So there's your your uh, your mission. You're a missionary. I'm sending you out and you will fish for people. And so intrinsic to the idea of being a disciple of Jesus is the idea that there's a mission. First of all, it's to come to Jesus, to follow Jesus. The central to being a disciple is that it's all about Jesus. And then Jesus pointedly says, the biggest barrier to growing in your discipleship and apprenticeship to me is when your own selfish desires get in the way. Now, not ambition, not the dreams and destinies and desires that God puts in us when we surrender to him, but that self-oriented, selfish, me first at the expense of other propensity in our heart that discipleship directly to Jesus directly confronts. And so he says in Matthew 16, if you want to be my disciple, my lifelong learner, my student, you've got to deny yourself and carry your cross and follow me. And, you know, this can be really hard at times and in different seasons, but when we begin to follow Jesus, the joy of obeying, the joy of intimacy and friendship with him pales in comparison to what we deny ourselves of if we called the shots and ruled the world. And then ultimately, discipleship is about loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves. I mean, this is what discipleship is all about because this is how we know what love is. First John 3, 16, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so we know that love for God looks like something. It looks like the lifestyle of Jesus. We know who our neighbor is because it looks like the ones Jesus loved, the least of these, the outcast, the filthy, the sick, and the sinner. And we know what it is to be aware, loving ourselves well, knowing how God has intricately woven us and shaped us and made us and growing in that discovery journey of our unique fit within the body of Christ and the purposes of God in the world. And then so Jesus says, now go do the same. Go make disciples of all the nations. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so discipleship is not complete until... It brings us to the place of being a disciple who can now help others become lifelong followers, lovers, worshipers of Jesus. Well, that's disciple, discipleship. Now, out of discipleship, I apologize. I'm doing this recording at home and I keep getting called to help, which is awesome. Husband, fatherly, dad duty. But anyhow... So we're to go and make disciples of all the nations, just like we just got done talking about. So number one, we want to be disciples. Number two, we are disciples who gather. Disciples who gather. That's number two. We have a high value for gathering. In Acts 5.42, we see the rhythm of the early church, those who were um, born into the kingdom, baptized, who placed their trust in uh, Jesus, the King, the Messiah. It says this, day after day in the temple courts, gathering, and from house to house, scattering. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And so, you know, Barna and many other, I'm sure, 
um, statisticians and um, pollsters in the church and Christian community in the West tell us that the the percentage of people who actively and regularly attend, those who would say, I'm a regular attender or gatherer, um, is about one and a half times a month, which is super low from even just 10, 15, 20 uh, years ago. Um, Just... Our lives are so busy in sports and life and commitments and work and and then our own recreational you know life and playing and which is all beautiful. Um, but th- th- we have a value for gathering. What do we do on Sunday? It's when the body of Christ, who has all week um, been at work in their neighborhoods and their networks home where we gather together around the gospel of the kingdom, around the presence of Jesus. We worship, we we submit together to the scriptures being read and taught and proclaimed. We participate at the Lord's table and remember constantly uh, what the self-emptying sacrificial uh, love of Jesus demands of us. It shapes us and forms our imaginations, our thought, our life together. And so we take the Lord's Supper and we pray for one another. We encourage each other. We look at each other in the eye and say, you've got this, another week to follow Jesus. And so as disciples, we place a high value for gathering all together from across the city and region to lift up Jesus as Lord and King. And out of that, we, from temple courts and from house to house, so we are disciples who gather and then scatter on mission, in community, all week. We scatter in community on mission all throughout the week. In Acts 4, 42, the famous verse, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer, or the prayers. And this scattered rhythm in homes and and workplaces and uh, coffee shops and restaurants and wherever you scatter throughout the other nine-tenths of your week, you're doing that with purpose. You're still orienting your heart and your life around the ways and the words and the works of Jesus. And as we scatter, we scatter in community on mission together. We view our work as an opportunity to worship and advance God's kingdom work um, on the earth by doing good work. We advance, we scatter on mission, on purpose, before and after in the kid drop-off line at our elementary and junior high schools and high schools, maybe they drive by then. But we scatter intentionally, realizing that Jesus himself, as disciples, called us the light of the world, that we're to shine before all men so that they see good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. We are, Paul says in Corinthians 5.20, 2 Corinthians, we're Christ's ambassadors. We're those that God is making his appeal through to a world that so desperately needs to be reconciled to himself through Jesus. So we are disciples who gather on Sundays. We scatter all throughout the week in community on mission together. And you can check out our website for the various community groups that meet all across our city on various times and days. And we're continuing to believe for God to birth more community groups um, in in all of the, the cities that we represent as a church family. So we are disciples who gather, scatter, and then fourthly, who serve. We know by because we're disciples of Jesus, Jesus himself, uh, Mark tells us in Mark 10, 45, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. We know that Jesus and servanthood, it wasn't something he did. It was someone, the posture of his entire life. He took the very nature, Philippians 2.5, of a servant in his guts, in his DNA, in his outlook of life and of other people and resources. His whole life was one of serving. And because discipleship is primary, one of the the first asks that we're going after, that we're really setting our hearts to make progress in as a church, as disciples of Jesus, it only makes sense that we would turn around and live a life style of serving. And there are at least eight different teams on Sundays and gathering and scattered throughout the week where you can jump on and serve and discover your gifts and where you fit. And, and, and the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, that every part in the body has been placed according to God's wisdom. And so part of the joy of serving together is we actually grow in who Jesus um, has hardwired us to be and to become. But we will never discover those things if we don't jump in and serve. And so check our website for the various areas that you can sign up to explore. Maybe just once every four weeks, once every six weeks, once every eight weeks. Very aware everyone's busy and has lives. But this is something we're really going after, a culture where we gather, scatter, and serve because we're disciples of Jesus. And then lastly, the fifth ask is we give. Now, Paul tells us just right out the gate in Romans 12 that uh, our whole life really is an offering that is given over to God because of what God has done in giving us of his son, um, Jesus. And so in what areas are we wanting to see us give? Well, in our time, again, gathering and scattering and serving. Um, in our talent, that you and 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 me, and this is one of our central roles as leaders, is to help people discover their gifts and their passions and their place and their role within the body of Christ gathered and the body of Christ scattered um, throughout our week. So we give with our time and our talents and uh, we're better together. And then we give with our treasure. Um, I told the story this morning that since I was 14 years old, I was just raised. I know I don't talk about it very much as a pastor, but I work construction in the 100 degree heat and 100% humidity in Kansas City growing up. And it was just what you did. The first thing we did with our paycheck was we wrote 10%. We practiced the ancient practice of tithing, setting aside a certain percent of your income to God's kingdom and specifically the local church. Um, Ephesians 1 makes the very convincing, amazing argument. Um, Granted, it doesn't hard and fast say that their Sundays or their gatherings look like ours, but very clearly, God, uh, verse 22 and 3 of chapter 1, Ephesians, he fills and wants to fill the earth as Christ is the head of his church through his body that fills everything in every way. And so giving your time, your treasure, and your talent to the local church and God's kingdom work is how Jesus fills all things with his glory. So I just want to challenge you. We make it super easy to give in any of those um, realms. We have very clearly marked teams on our website and our gathered life. We have very clear groups to um 
to use your gifts and your talents in the various ministries and community groups scattered throughout our city. And then also our giving financially is super easy online. Um, You can do auto giving. My wife and I just do two um, auto giving. We don't even have to check in. It just automatically withdraws as we practice the the discipline and ancient practice of tithing. So really want to encourage you to do that. Even if it's five bucks, ten bucks, doesn't matter. Um, The Holy Spirit will show you. But to go to the next level and central to discipleship is living as if Jesus really is Lord. And I know from experience and seeing in people's lives, one of the last areas, the last frontiers of our discipleship is being able to trust God in the realm of our finances. Will there be enough? Will God come through? And I know I'm not alone in saying he absolutely does and he absolutely will as we trust him by living generous, hospitable lives. And then lastly, so we're disciples who gather, scatter, serve, and give. And I'm going to do this as a whole series in the future, but Matthew 25 is one of the coolest chapters. Jesus tells three parables that really encompass pretty much everything I just shared in 20 minutes. Just take a swig of coffee. Um, The first parable in Matthew 25 is this parable of these ten virgins, five of them uh, are prepared, their lamps are trimmed, they're, they have plenty of oil, um, and then five were foolish. They didn't prepare. They didn't have any oil. When the bridegroom came, they weren't ready to enter into the feast and the banquet. And really, to me, this looks like stewarding your heart as far as a framework for giving and discipleship. And the number one thing, again, Jesus is after our hearts. Jesus is after. Our mission is to know, trust, love, follow, and obey Jesus. Jesus is the mission of every disciple. Friendship with him, intimacy with him, abiding in him. And so, Matthew 25, the first parable, as a giving framework and discipleship framework, is give Jesus your heart. Do not neglect the secret place. Do not neglect your personal relationship with him. Keep your jars full of the oil that flows from being a friend of Jesus. And then he tells a story of these talents. Um, And one guy gets uh, one, one guy gets two, one guy gets five. And really it's a story of stewardship and taking what God has given us and stewarding it for increase. And so this is this is giving God our best with our resources, with our jobs, with our talents and abilities and passions, stewarding those, making something of what God has given us by offering it to him with all of our heart. So this really speaks of, you know, giving God our nine to five, giving God our natural capacities and resources and abilities, stewarding them for increase, for maximum kingdom impact and fruitfulness. Amazing story. I'll go into it later at a different time. And then lastly, he tells the story in Matthew 25 of the sheep and the goats. And really, this is the lifestyle, the posture of a generous, compassionate disciple. When did we see you naked and give you clothes, hungry and give you food, thirsty and give you water, in prison and visit you, lonely and invite you in? And Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did 
to me. And really, this isn't even um, scratching the surface of what it means where our whole life is given over as an offering to God. And in particular, toward seeing the least of these included in God's great redemptive purposes and his kingdom story that he's still writing in and through your life and my life. And so the oil, we give him our heart, we our lives as an offering to him. Talents, we, we steward what he's given us, our time, our treasures, our talents. For the sake of increase, we grow in our gifting, we grow in our callings for the sake of his kingdom. And then ultimately, the lifestyle of a disciple is our whole life is an offering. We are generous. We're compassionate because that's who Jesus is. I hope that was clear. Um, I'm just sitting here preaching off my notes and speaking into my phone. But again, the five asks that we're going after this year and the years to come. Disciples who gather, scatter, serve, and give. Now, I'm trusting that right now, if your head's not spinning, that there is something very specifically that God is challenging you with by his Holy Spirit. What is it? What do you, how do you view yourself? Are you an attender? Are you uh, sort of seeking the place that will feed you or meet your needs or uh, sort of like a checklist of, oh, this church has this or that and to my liking? Is God calling you to move from a participant and a spectator and a consumer to a disciple? Man, that'd be amazing. Maybe Sundays, ah, not a high priority. I got if I get around to it, and God's maybe saying, no, this is your spiritual family, Cornerstone Church. I want, I want to gather. I want to grow in my consistency to gather with my family week in and week out. Maybe it's the scattering. Maybe your life is just like uh, totally compartmentalized, and you don't view yourself as a disciple who, after gathering on Sundays, scatters in community on mission together in your workplace and in the world, your neighborhood, your network, your friend circles and your family circles, that you actually scatter to represent Jesus in community and going deep, not with many, but with a few on this journey called discipleship and transformation. Maybe it's serving. Maybe you've you've come and you've kind of just enjoyed the ministry and maybe you're even in a, a small group or a community group. But maybe God's like, hey, it's time to join a team. Again, we're not talking every week, a rhythm, a rotation of jumping in on one of the various teams that we have. Again, you can check it out on our website under the connect tab and serve. Or lastly, maybe it's giving. Time, treasure, talent. I trust, though, that these five things are things that we will never, ever outgrow. There will always be something more that Jesus has for us. And I trust that you've, you're listening to the Holy Spirit and you're leaning in with us in this year and the years to come at Cornerstone Church that we can make progress in these five things. We are disciples who gather, scatter, serve, and give.